This is the Hunt for Wellness podcast with Russ Pate, 35, Angus. It's another great day for wellness, and this is Bones bringing the packs of F3 Nation the latest strategies and tips to accelerate their king and optimize their queen. Health is a journey and requires you to take a proactive approach on a daily basis. Knowing exactly what to do and how to do it will help you achieve it faster. Each week, we are going to be interviewing the leading health and wellness experts, sharing inspiring stories from the packs, and diving into the latest research to help you optimize your health. So get ready as we embark on your hunt for wellness. Well, welcome back to another edition of the Hunt for Wellness podcast. This is Dr. Tunis Hunt, otherwise known as Bones in the Gloom. And Pax, super excited to be back on the airways with you this week and real excited about this conversation we're about to have with our special guest. Uh, as many of you know, I get the opportunity to speak to men all across this country and more specifically, very high impact and healthy impact men. And today's guest is no exception. And of course, my guest today is none other than Russ Pate, or otherwise known as Angus in the Gloom. Welcome to the show, brother. Hey, thanks for having me, Bones. It's great to be on here. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate you carving out some time to dive into a conversation about health and wellness, certainly about your own personal journey. I, I found the more guys I get to talk to, really their unique and individual stories resonate with different guys across the country. So I'm really excited about what you're going to share with us today. Yeah, absolutely. Now before we, yeah. Now, before we get into your actual health journey, let's start a little bit about your F3 background. Give us an idea of your uh, introduction to F3, where that was, that first post, and certainly why the name Angus. Yeah, absolutely. So um, back in, I think it was uh, 2015, um, I was living in Augusta, Georgia at the time. And um, I had this distinct memory of I was laying in bed one night and we, it was right after we had our first kid. And um, I was laying there, I was praying and I was like, man, I, I just, I was talking to God. I was like, I wish I just had like a group of guys that I could, you know, be held accountable to. Cause I felt, you know, sad. I felt um, out of shape and I was just, un just unhappy because I was in this pattern of drinking heavily. I was working at a marketing agency that kept, uh miller miller light like on stock in the fridge at all times and it was kind of like it was okay to go grab a beer whenever you wanted um so i was kind of living this that life um and, the classic uh, uh don draper lifestyle classic, sounds like it. <laughs> classic don draper lifestyle yep 100 so um i worked with this guy uh his he's not involved in f3 anymore there but um his nickname was yeti and uh he came in to work one day he's like dude, I did this workout on Saturday. Uh, it was awesome. And, and it's totally free. He's like, you should come check it out. Um, and what, what was happening was, is, um, they were launching North Augusta was launching in Augusta. Um, so they had a team come down from, I think it was Charlotte. I, I'm actually, I'm not sure, but I do know that C-SPAN was there and there was a couple other guys there and they came and they, they were doing that old school, you know, six week launch. Um, so, um, I came and I participated um, and it was, it was definitely uh, a butt kicker. And for me, especially at the time um, I went through the workout and um, 
And then I, I got I, I got to hear C-SPAN's spiel. And I think that's what really sold it to me. Um, maybe it, maybe not necessarily the like the strenuous nature of the workout or and there was nothing like special or unique about the about the movements that we did. But it was really more so hearing um, C-SPAN's story um, that like really got me hooked. And it was from that moment on, I was like, this is the thing. This is it. Like, there's something here. I'm going to do this as much as I can for as long as I can. So um, that's where I got started. Um, so I was in Augusta for for two years and um, I, I did it as, as much as I could. And the, nick, the nickname, so um, it's nothing, it's not that creative. Um, I wasn't with a creative bunch that day. Um, and also I splashed Merlot in my very, very first COT. So I didn't do it during the workout. It was at the very end during COT. Um, so uh, my family is in cattle farming. So that's kind of the, that's it. Angus cattle. Um, yeah, there's not, it's not a big leap there, but no. I can complete, I mean, listen, I, as I mentioned, I mean, in bones chiropractic, it's not a big leap either. And sometimes yeah. that's just, that's just the way it goes. So C-SPAN was there. So yeah, they used yep. to do that troubadour program, the leap and, and guys would come in, in town. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was also instrumental in my early F3 journey. He was living in the Fort region where I post, uh, when I started F3, he, I, he wasn't at my first workout, but soon afterwards I was able to see him. And so what a, what a great uh, a guy mm-hmm. to have around and, and certainly drink the Kool-Aid from when it comes to F3, because they were yeah. all bought in and certainly a good guy to, to, to learn the basics from. Now, was he coming down every week or he just happened to be at that first workout? No, he was just there for that workout, that first workout that I was at. Yeah. 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 Okay. Following. I don't know about the following weeks. I can't, it, it's all a blur now. <laughs> sure. Sure. Now you mentioned splashing Merlot and certainly yeah. not the only F and G to ever do that. Uh, and, and ironically enough, it's usually at the COT. It's usually after your body kind of settles down and it's yelling at you. Was it pre or post the actual name? Uh, it was pre, so oh, they wow. were very kind. They were very kind. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, they were. So good, good, good on you. And that was also back in the day and, and still should be the case, certainly in a new re- region launch, uh, trying to give a guy a good name so that they want to come back with it. So I, I certainly recognize the The Angus is cool, man. That's a, that's a great name. It could have been a lot worse. I mean, that's what I tell guys all the time when they get nicknames, especially girl nicknames. I'm like, man, it could have been a lot worse. Yes, it could. So you started posting there, it sounds like, in, in the Augusta, North Augusta area. Yeah. Um, that's not where you currently are. So help us understand that journey to where you yeah, are now. Yeah, so th- this, is a, this is a longer story to how I got where I am now. Um, so I was in Augusta for two years. And I, while I was involved, I, didn't, I, didn't, I wasn't as involved as I possibly could have been. Um, my wife was a nurse. And because of her schedule, I was only able to do it at certain times. So it was a little, it was hard to build a routine. And without that routine for me, I was, you know, I was in the habit of staying up late, you know, struggling to get up in the morning and make it to work by, you know, a good hour. Um, So it was hard to build a routine. It was once we left, um, we moved to Chattanooga, Tennessee and um, where uh, myself and Gus uh, had the opportunity to start a brand new region. And so with that, you know, I had uh, my wife, uh, she wasn't working at the time and I was able to kind of go out and and post as much as I kind of hoped to. Uh, so Gus and myself, we were there for the initial launch of Chattanooga uh, and we were, we built, built that out um, over, over 
a period of time. Um, Gus, and he ended up leaving shortly after we launched it. And so that's where I took on uh, the responsibility as Nantan um, of Chattanooga and kind of help set the foundation um, along with a bunch of other guys. You know, um, there's prosciutto. Um, just got to give a little shout out to prosciutto and to Ohms um, and several other guys um, who were really um, foundational. Mr. Clean, of course, uh, in helping get that region off its, you know, off its on its feet rather. So we were in Chattanooga for about two years, and that's where I got really, really, really deep into, you know, what it meant to be a high impact man, um, because I was in this, in that position of Nantan. I felt like I needed to um, really educate myself as to, you know, what what that means. What is the responsibility? What am I supposed to do? Um, you know, with with this responsibility, how do I pass something on that I don't feel like I am prepared for? Um, so I was looking at other regions like Birmingham and um, Knoxville, um, Nashville, every everywhere around that I could see to see what they're doing. What are their what are their guys who were in uh, you know Nantans and Weasel Shakers? All these terms that got were getting thrown around that I didn't know what it was um, to try to understand all these things. And in the midst of that, we had a grow rook in um, Chattanooga as well. So I got indoctrinated with a lot really fast um, and it just kind of increased my my love and my passion for all things F3. Um, and then after that, we lived in Ocala for a short time because um, my mom uh, who suffered from uh, young onset dementia, we, had, we went down there to take care of her. Um, and during that time I had, so I had a short gap where there was no F3. Um, but it's, it's funny because I would just go out to the park. There was a park not too far from where we were. And I would just post at the park every single day. I would send pictures to some of my guys in Chattanooga. Um, I did end up getting involved with a couple of, a couple of fellas down there. Um, and we kind of tried to start talking about starting something there, but, um, we always knew that it was temporary for us there. So I, I didn't, I wasn't ready to commit to starting a brand new region all over again, like like Chattanooga. So, um, but shortly after that, we moved to Portland, Oregon, um, lived in Portland for two years. And I did get the opportunity to start up a new region while I was up there during COVID. Um, and they're still, they're still going, building strong. Um, they've helped and they've been involved with um, some of the other regions um, that are kind of starting to slowly ramp up in the, in the state of Oregon as well. So, and then from Oregon, we were in North Carolina. We were, we were actually in Boone for a little while. Um, I got to be friends with, you know, uh, HIPAA and, you know, all the, all the other fellows, fellows up there um, and really, really loved getting to uh, work out at elevation and in the, in the cold, cold weather, you know, getting out there in the single digits uh, was just kind of a, a really unique experience. And and now I'm down here uh, in Tallahassee where the guys complain when it dips below 40 and I'm just like, ah, oh, <laughs> come on guys. So yeah, yeah that's, a, that's how a, I got it's to a nice reprieve when it gets the, a little cool weather, that humidity, certainly in Florida is the other extreme, which is terrible. Yeah. So, so, you know, there's all the talk about the gloom misery index. That's a whole, we could have a whole conversation about that, um, which is, you know, it specifically accounts for the cold weather um, and all that. And so, you know, we've talked about trying to kind of create our own um, misery index that goes towards the other way, the heat and the humidity, because I think we would, we would have it on that one because we surely don't yeah. want the cold. Yeah. You, you would be one of the contenders for sure. I mean, there's some other Southern 
uh, swampy areas that may sure. contend with you as well. But uh, I get it, man. Um, so I did not realize how many different places you've jumped around. You you are by far probably the most, uh, you know, circulated guest that I've had, certainly around uh, F3 specifically. So you've really kind of seen a lot of different aspects, different A, areas of the country, but B, just different cultures and the way guys do it. Um, now, having seen all those different AOs and different cultures, would you say that um, an AO is an AO is an AO? I mean, like, did you feel like there's pretty good continuity between all those AOs when it comes to F3 and the principles and stuff like that? Or do you feel like there are um, a variation out there? At the end of the day, um, when it when it really comes down to it, I imagine myself walking up to a workout with my F3 shirt on and, you know, almost every single time I'm greeted with a fist bump, you know, um, and, you know, there's say, you know, who, who are you? Where are you coming from? You know, how'd you get your nickname? All the normal things, um, and, you know, in a matter of a minute, two minutes, it's like you're back with your, you know, your guys. Um, so pretty much everywhere I've been, that's been the case. Um, now there is like subtle differences in the way things, you know, operate, whether you do the pledge after the workout or, you know, you say a prayer or there's all these little things that people like to do differently. But at the end of the day, you know, the culture is pretty much universal. Yeah. And that's been my experience too. I have, I haven't traveled as often as it sounds like you have, as far as seeing different regions, but Certainly my experience when I show up to any F3 workout is, is exactly what you say. You, you know, especially if you're wearing an F3 shirt, uh, you, you walk up and it's right away. They may not recognize you, but they give you that fist bump. And before you know it, it's like, all right, well, we're rolling into the exercises and, you know, nine out of 10 times are calling something that you're very familiar with anyway. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, every, every region has that unique exercise that's unique to that region, but for the most part, uh, the majority of the things being yelled around, uh, you follow along pretty well. Now you were Nantan in Chattanooga. It sounds like, was mm -hmm. that the only leadership role you held local, like in a local region, um, up, up to now? No. So I was technically, I was Nantan in, uh, Portland as well in, in okay. of Portland. Yep. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And yep. then now you're down in Tallahassee and it sounds like you guys refer to that as the rogue region. That's um, right. Help me yep. understand. Help me understand why it's named that, and uh, a little bit about the culture down there. Man, they love that name. They love it here, um, and I don't blame them for it either. So, uh, Tallahassee started uh, a year after uh, F three proper started in Charlotte. Uh, they they say that it was one of the first, if not the first, outside the Carolinas. Um, and so given that they started so long ago, there wasn't the same, uh, processes in place for transferring the way that things are done. Um, so a lot of how they have kind of come into, you know, they came to where they are now was by their own, by their own means. Um, so as things evolved with F3 nation, things became more standardized, um, so to speak, they can kind of continue to operate in the way that they wanted to operate. So they started referring to themselves as the rogue region. Um, and since, since I've been down here, that's changed a little bit. Um, they still have their certain things that 
they want to continue to do. And I, you know, I'm not trying to fight anybody on, on the way they do things. I think that's fine. They count a little bit differently. Call cadence just a little bit differently. Um, they say the Lord's prayer before every single workout. They say the, the pledge at the end of the workout. And there's, there's a number of other little things that they do. Um, that's unique, but, um, that's why I call themselves the rogue region. Um, but you know, all in all, like I said, I, you know, I stroll up to the workout, um, got my F3 shirt on, I get a fist bump and, you know, culture is universal. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I, I never heard that story uh, per se. So that, that certainly makes sense if if they were kind of out on an island 10 years ago uh, without what we have in place today, uh, as far as the system, I can completely understand embracing that title mm-hmm. and wanting to hold on to it. And that, you know, indefinitely, because that's, that's a unique spot to be in in the history of F3. Yeah. And it's, it's afforded me some like, yes, it's, it's afforded me some unique perspective, you know, as I took on the sector responsibility, um, because, you know, you, there is a part of us as, you know, F3 nation, we want to see regions grow and evolve in certain ways. Um, but one of the things that I know Dark Helmet has really advocated for is the protection of individual initiative, right? Um, we call it stuff worth trying. We don't call it stuff you have to try. Um, or, you know, and, and, you know, a lot of things that we're offering up are suggestions, um, in how you can become, you know, more successful. Um, but, you know, this is just one example of how a region can kind of, you know, use your own initiative to figure out ways to do things. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Um, you know, they're, they're more of guidelines, right? So, suggestions yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely and that is a unique perspective that you have uh, certainly in the role that you have now you mentioned sector q and i've had the privilege of speaking to many of the other sector cues on the podcast and they kind of went over a little bit about what a sector q does how they support the nantans and the region so just for clarity's sake uh help us understand you're the south east sector q uh who who, what region is that i mean uh, who are you kind of supporting in that Role. Yeah. So the, the Southeast, yeah, Southeast sector Q, that's my responsibility. And uh, what does that mean? So the Southeast consists of Florida, Georgia, uh, Tennessee, Alabama, and Mississippi. Um, so it's 50 plus regions uh, within the Southeast. And the sector Q's responsibility comes down to um, coach, connect, and, and coordinate. Um, that's That's really the essence of what it is that we're trying to accomplish. Um, you know, there's some guys who are like, well, you know, you're just a middle manager. Um, and we're not, um, we're not, we're really not middle managers. Um, otherwise I wouldn't do it. Right. Um, we have the really unique opportunity to kind of see things from a, a higher elevation, um, than regions do. Um, so, you know, in our opportunities to talk with guys from Atlanta and Chattanooga, uh, Birmingham, um, Nashville, you know, all over, all over, you know, my, uh, my sector, you hear things that are going on. And so you have the opportunity to connect, um, regions, especially as they're, as if we start talking about expansion, right? So if Athens, Georgia starts expanding westward and Atlanta is expanding eastward, why can't we get these guys together to, to chat? Um, because maybe there's an opportunity to help support each other in that and their, uh, efforts towards expansion, right? And so then that kind of tips into some of the coordination aspect to it, right? Um, as regions are operating towards, you know, goals, ideas, expansion, all these things, 
coordination is only, only going to help to support um, to support those accomplishing those things. So if anybody's done a uh, grow ruck, they've gotten under a log. And um, the last thing you want to do is put a tall guy with a short guy, right? Um, so there's some level of coordination that needs to happen in order to make sure that you're able to successfully uh, move in the direction that you want to move. Um, and coaching, you know, having been a Nantan for, you know, multiple multiple times, traveled across the country to see how different folks do things. Um, there's a level of coaching that can be offered. Um, and, you know, and sometimes that's advice, you know, from my experience. And then sometimes that's just making a connection with somebody else who might have more experience in that area. You know, uh, you know, GMO has a lot of experience in St. Louis. St. Louis has done things that I, you know, I have yet to experience myself. And so rather than try to uh, just pontificate around things that I might not have, you know, the most experience on, I can connect you to somebody who really does have the answers. So, um, and that's, that's really what it comes down to, um, is making sure that these guys at the regional level have the opportunity to connect to each other and to other folks within the nation, um, to get the answers that they might be looking for. Yeah, it's a great model. And the more I learned about it, the more I just, you know, applaud whoever, thought of it and started implementing it because it, it really is a, a great way of, of, of achieving all those things that you mentioned. And certainly the connection part is, you know, vital as far as, uh, you know, growing and, and being succinct as a nation and, and supporting each other. So, man, I know that's a, a, a big responsibility. The nation appreciates you for doing it. And uh, I couldn't think of a better guy doing it just based on your own personal experience in the past and you're the diversity that you experienced firsthand. Well, man, what I want to do is kind of shift gears a little bit and get a little bit more specific about your own health journey. Um, to kind of kick that off though, give us some idea of, obviously I, I'm looking at you through, through the camera, but not everybody may have an idea of what you look like, you know, your size, your weight, your age, um, demographics, if you will, just so that from a contact standpoint, uh, we can talk about some of your fitness, uh, you know, specifics as well as diet and stuff. Yeah. So, um, at the end of the day, the, my, like the main thing, if you were to boil my philosophy down to, you know, an idea, a single idea, um, it, it's moderation. Um, and, and that's in everything. Uh, you know, uh, growing up, I, I saw my parents get really, really obsessed with Atkins, right? Everybody's, everybody is, remembers the Atkins diet. Um, so, so much so that they would buy the Atkins bars, you know, they avoided bread like it was, like it was, you know, the black plague. Um, and so, uh, you know, I have a very, I have a kind of a unique perspective on these like fad diets and trends and things like that. And so, um, you know, fortunately for me, you know, I have, uh, my wife who is, She's just a really good cook. She comes from a family of just amazing cooks. Um, if it was left to me uh, when I was in college, you know, it was like, what's the cheapest thing on the shelf? Um, let me let me do what I can to save a buck. Um, and, you know, fortunately, you know, we got married and she's like wanting to buy good ingredients and create and make good food. Um, so over time, uh, we've had the kind of I've had the opportunity to kind of learn from her when it comes to ingredients and things like that. Um, but yeah, if you were to boil it down to a, to a single idea, it would be, you know, moderation. Um, in high school, I, uh, I ran track and cross country. I played baseball my whole life. Um, but I ran track and cross country. That was like my main thing when I was in high school. Um, and I loved it. And I had the opportunity to, you know, through coaching and, uh, there was, uh, a guy in our community who, um, 
we just saw that I was, you know, passionate about it. And so he would provide me material to kind of read and to educate myself around, you know, you know, what kind of, cause where I grew, I grew up in a little town called Belglade, Florida. There wasn't much down there in terms of, you know, resources. There wasn't a running shoe store. There's nobody who could do a gate analysis. None of these things that, you know, guys feel like they need to have. So most of what I had was, you know, magazines or books in order to educate myself on, on some of these things. Um, and, you know, and in those materials, they would have little things about like, what do you need to eat as a runner um, and things like that. And so I, all of these things, there were stuff that I started to do when I was in high school as a runner. Um, but then unfortunately uh, my senior year in high school, I pulled my quad. And so then uh, track was done. Uh, I was running the 100. Um, I was the only, <laughs> I was the only white guy out there running the 100. Um, but I absolutely loved it. Like running fast was like, it was like a shot of adrenaline and I just loved it. And I was super passionate about it. So after that was done, you know, there was just no more athletics for me until, you know, pretty much until I got to F3. I played, you know, ultimate in college, uh, but it was never, you know, I was never so committed to it that I was able to kind of benefit from it at all. Um, so when you say ultimate, you're talking about ultimate Frisbee. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Just curious. Yeah. I just want to clarify. Okay. Yeah. And that was there, probably more of a intramural uh, yeah. pickup type of stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, intramurals in college is fun, but it's really just, you know, one day a week, you know, maybe you pra- maybe you can get every- scrape everybody together for a practice or two, uh, but nothing, it was never serious. Um, I, you know, I had aspirations of running in, in college, but, you know, that was just something that was kind of, I was barely able to run playing intramurals. So, I, I mean, I would run on an occasion, but it was never, I was never able to do it in the way that I was before. Um, after I was married, uh, this is, you know, years later, you know, I started to pick up running again, um, especially as I got more involved with that three. Um, so in, in terms of um, physical fitness, running has always kind of been my fallback. I've, I love it. And um, I still do it to this day, not right now. So I, I sprained my ankle two weeks ago, uh, pretty bad. And so um, my, my kind of routine has always been I'll run three to five miles before boot camp uh, and then do boot camp. And that's kind of just, you know, my, my go-to just because I feel like that's really what gets it done for me. Um, but now I've had to remove that from the equation. And so I'm trying to operate in a kind of a different way, um, adapting to, I don't, so the last thing I want to do is just not do nothing. Right. Um, and so I've had to kind of adapt to that situation. Uh, but it. in terms of, Yeah. Yeah, no, I was just going to um, back you up a little bit, um, kind of covered a bunch. So just yeah. so clarity purposes, how old are you now? 35 years old. So you're 35. So we're talking high school in early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just want yeah. to get a timeline down for when guys are you know, hearing your story that they kind of mm-hmm. picture what you're talking about. Now, you mentioned reading books and stuff. I mean, that was kind of the early stages of the internet, if you will, as far as search engines. Were you looking on there too? I mean, did you find that that no. was a resource? Okay. Just no, curious. not really. I mean, we had dial up internet. Yeah. This was, yeah. No, the good old AOL yeah. days and, and, yeah. and fun stuff like that. Okay. Just, just curious. Obviously it's a lot different today where people are posting a million things and video and the high quality. Mm-hmm. So I was just curious. Um, you mentioned the 100, obviously that's a much, it's, it's a quick paced run. 
Uh, it sounds like you do less of that now and more of a longer, slower. Yeah. So I, type I actually, I ran from the 100 to the 3,200. I would run um, and then occasionally I would do like a relay, a four by four relay. Um, gotcha. My least favorite event of all was the 800. I despised it. I still, to this day, if you say go run an 800, I'll say no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We each have that kryptonite that we just don't love yeah. to do. And it sounds like that was yours. You mentioned playing baseball. So was baseball just not a passion of yours, but and running was, or just, you know, was it one of everybody played baseball? So you joined the team too. I mean, what was that story? Once I got to high school, it just, it was, it, it became very political. That's all. Yeah. I you gotcha. Know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Unless your dad was, was buddies with the coach, then, you know, okay. you know how it goes. Okay. Yeah. I hear you. So it wasn't something that was a passion of yours during the high school years, but the, but the running was, yeah, uh, you sure. mentioned, uh, getting married. What year was that? Got married in, uh, so this year will be 11 years ago. So 2012. Okay. So 2012, what year did you graduate, uh, college? Graduated from college, uh, in, uh, 2012. Yeah. Oh, okay. So there wasn't yeah. a, you mentioned not being very active with, you know, sports or whatever. Um, between college and getting married and, and maybe finding F3. Yeah. So, so it was in college, you know, there was like, you know, intramural sports. Sure. But there wasn't just, there just wasn't much there. I got you. And it took and me a long school? time to graduate college. Okay. <laughs> what school was that? Georgia Southern. Okay. So Georgia yeah. Southern and then got married. Is that where you met your wife? So, yeah. So uh, my wife and I met when we were younger and uh, I was friends with her cousin. So it, it was just kind of like one of the one of those random chance things. Uh, we were older and her cousin asked, you know, if I wanted to come hang out with him in Boone. Um, and so we we actually dated long distance for a while. OK, now she lives. She was in Boone. Is that where you met her? Um, Is that where she's from? She's from Boone, but she okay. was in Tallahassee at the time. Yeah. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Just trying to get, get my, get my story straight here. Now, you guys There's have, a lot of locations. Like if you yeah. are put, somebody can put pins on all of well, everything we're talking about. Sounds yeah. like that. Just for your F3 journey, there's a million locations. Yeah. So uh, do you have any children? Two yeah. Pinos? We have three kids. Yeah. Okay. Three kids. So, yeah. We have three girls and a dog. Okay. How old are they? Uh, so eight five and one. Okay. So mm -hmm. you're still a young family. You're still juggling that aspect of life and, yeah. and stuff. So you, so between 2012 and then you said 2016 is when you learned about F3, correct? Is that what you said? Yeah. 2015 or 16. I can't remember exactly. Okay. I think it was 2015. Yeah. And so for those couple of years, just early married life, you made a comment that you weren't doing much on the, on the athletic thing. This is when you were in that marketing uh, yeah, yeah, kind of. Mm -hmm. Okay, gotcha. So, from a from how how tall are you? Um, five eleven. Okay, and how much do you currently weigh? Uh, one hundred sixty five pounds. Okay, now how heavy did did you gain weight when you weren't working? I've out? never I mean, been. I'm, I mean, I'm a I'm a meso mesomorph or whatever, so yeah. I've never been fat. You know, gotcha. fat, and, you know, and I've always had a fast metabolism. So at most, I would be like one eighty, maybe one eighty five. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So, but I mean, just cause I was, a, I was a skinny fat guy for sure. You know? Sure. Okay. Just curious. I was just trying to see, you know, you know, and obviously picked up F3 that has health benefits as well. Kind mm -hmm. of moving people forward. You mentioned the Adkins diet. Um, was that something your parents 
religiously did or are you just familiar with it because they would dabble with it? How, how, what specifically was that like in your home? Yeah. So it was, it was the flavor of the week kind of thing, you know, you know, as, as fad diets, um, kind of come and go, that was the one that stuck the longest. And so that was the one that just sticks out in my head. Cause I think my dad still has a pack of Atkins bars in his pantry. Um, um, you know, and, and so I just, you know, that, that always sticks in my head as an example of, you know, how easy it is to get caught up in, you know, the message of, of diet and the message of food without understanding, you know, deeper at a deeper level, you know, what it is that you're consuming. Yeah. Now, did they struggle with weight or health or are they just kind of one of those people that just found things that they liked and would adapt those? Yeah, it was more of they. it was like trying to find every quick shortcut for, you know, be, feeling like what you're eating is healthy. Right. Um, okay. never, never like terrible health, but they're not necessarily, you know, uh, pictures of, of, you know, athleticism like yourself. Um, oh, I doubt that. Yeah. Okay. I was just curious, man. Um, so when you started learning about nutrition in high school, you mentioned kind of looking at the books and stuff and, and, and specifically running, what did you find in that information that really you know, resonated with you and what were you specifically doing that you saw enhancement with? Yeah. So, you know, there were things that I consumed at that time that I feel like I didn't click in my head. I didn't understand it until, you know, you know, the past four or five years now um, that I've kind of really gotten heavily involved with that three that I'm realizing like food has an impact on the way you operate. Right. Um, you know, you can't go eat, I, you know, I would run, you know, six, seven, eight, nine miles in cross country and then go eat, you know, two triple cheeseburgers, um, and then wonder why I felt like crap. Um, and you know, you you read about these things talking about how like, you know, eating nuts and, you know, uh, protein and, you know, sugar, how all these things affect your ability to operate at a certain level. Um, and it, it's been over the past couple of years. So my wife and I, um, she was, she got turned on to whole 30. Um, this was when we lived in Chattanooga. And so she was like, oh, I'm going to do whole 30. And I was like, well, I'll do it with you. Yeah. Like, let, let's, let's do it together. You know, you know, and, and at this, at that time in particular, um, I was, you know, we ate pretty good, but I feel like, you know, after doing whole 30, we, that's what really opened our eyes to, um, better nutrition. Um, and you know, for, for guys who don't know whole 30, um, it, it's, um, it is a technically a diet, but, um, so you look at, you take 30 days and you remove grains, dairy, sugar, and alcohol. I think it's, I think it's just those four. Um, and you'd be surprised, um, how many things sugar is in, um, that you wouldn't know. Um, so the, the, the biggest thing that I think it did for, for us, for me is, um, turning things over and reading the ingredients and, and trying to understand like, okay, I'm buying sausage. Why does it have so much sugar in it? Why is there sugar in the sausage at all? Right. Um, and so, and that is, that's been one thing that, you know, we've taken away from that, uh, that, you know, I still do to this day is just flipping stuff over and trying to understand what's in it. Um, the other thing is, you know, as a part of whole 30, um, 
and I'm not I'm not here to proselytize Whole30 by any means, um, but I do think there is some value to, um, especially if you if you deal with, and I know there's some um, kind of if you deal with it, certain issues like uh, allergy and nutrition issues, there's omission can help kind of help you understand how food impacts your body. Um, so you know if you have problems with mood. Um, problems with, you know, fatigue, you know, excessive fatigue, food can impact the way that you're able to operate. Um, and so one thing that Whole30 did for me was, is I would just have these like major swings and like fatigue um, and major swings in mood. And, you know, just understanding how some of the like processed foods that I was eating had a major effect on my, on my mood and my, and my uh, energy as well. So, um, I know I covered yeah. a lot again there. So yeah, yeah no, that's wanna... good. That's good. That's interesting. Um, I'm, I'm very familiar with whole 30. Uh, I've had other guests on the show kind of indicate whole 30 as part of their journey. And, um, certainly I, I recognize it for what it is. And, and you kind of, um, alluded to this, which is an education process. It mm-hmm. really forces you to look at your food differently or, or look at it at all. I mean, mm-hmm. unfortunately, most of us, or the standard American pays very little attention to what they're putting into their mouth. They dictate 90% of it just based on texture and taste and familiarity. And they have no idea that, you know, to your point, the sausage that you think, well, I'm getting quote, quote meat, but it's got all these other chemicals and preservatives yeah. and even sugar in it. And you do that with all your products. And then before you know it, you're wondering why we have 200 extra pounds of sugar in our diet on a yearly basis. Well, it's not because you're taking spoonfuls of sugar in and of itself. It's because it's hidden in everything and it's, it's mm-hmm. called and named so many things. So um, I've definitely seen a lot of people use Whole30 as a template to do, sounds like what you guys did, which is kind of open your eyes to the reality of the food manufacturing companies, what they hide in things, what, how your body responds to certain things. Um, you know, it is a little bit, and I hate using the word restrictive, but it, it does. Um, anytime we admit things, it, you know, our mindset goes to, to restriction, but at the end of the day, are those things really necessary for your life or diet or benefit anyway? And, and mm-hmm. admitting them doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It just means that you probably shouldn't have been putting it in your your diet in the first place. So did you find, um, you talked about your energy being changed and improved. Did, were you able to narrow it down to what that trigger was in your diet? Yeah. So for me, it was, you know, highly processed grains. Um, so, you know, I would buy nature's own bread or whatever, um, and make sandwiches to bring into work. Um, but we found that like, that was one of the things that was most affecting my, I guess I would say like my blood sugar, right? Like my ability to, to have energy and it would also have an effect on my mood. So we, we started, you know, my wife makes absolutely killer sourdough bread. Like, so I found that most of the bread that she makes at home doesn't have that same effect on me. Right. Like I can, I can eat that and I feel okay. And the other thing is like, bread is not bad. Like that's, it's just worth saying like bread gets demonized in so many different ways, but I, you know, I, I enjoy carbs. Um, but like I said, in moderation. Um, so, um, it's funny. So my wife's Fia nickname is actually crusty <laughs> because of the bread, because of the bread. Yeah. 
Yeah, the, yeah. You, you bring up an interesting point because uh, you're right. A lot of times when we don't put some of those extra ingredients in some of these products, people respond well. And, and I've worked with many clients and even know of other individuals who speak about this, how they'll avoid bread products, let's say here in America, but they'll travel to Italy and love and eat the pastas and the breads over there and have zero issues with it. And it's because of some of the other fillers that is going into these manufactured products. And so, you know, there, there, there's the science behind the actual protein of gluten and gladian or gladian, however people want to announce it, um, that unfortunately, regardless of the other chemicals into the bread product, that protein itself is irritable or intolerable to that person's digestive system. So there are some individuals, regardless of where they get the bread from, it's, you know, it, mm -hmm. it bothers them, but it's interesting uh, that that was a, a trigger for you. And, and unfortunately it's really one of those things when I work with somebody and they're thinking about changing their dietary things, I found that dairy, cow's dairy, uh, uh, gluten and soy seem to be the three biggest triggers for most people. And, um, you know, outside of that, there's other things, but those three seem to be, um, pretty pervasive in most yeah. people's inflammatory response in their system. And, uh, you know, it doesn't mean they have to avoid them forever, but certainly when they give their bodies a break, like a whole 30, uh, spectrum, you know, forces you to do, it certainly allows your body to identify as you in reintroduce those things, what specifically are triggering that out, you know, triggering things yeah. and, and so forth. Yeah. We, we tend to like avoid the soy. So you, you know, we use coconut aminos, um, and then, uh, we limit dairy as much as we can, um, for cheeses, we go for, you know, like your Parmesan cheeses and things like that. Um, so there's, a, I, I think there's a lot of, but I mean, in all things, like we're not, we're not loading on the Parmesan cheese, right. You know, we're using it for taste and for texture and things like that. Sure. Now you mentioned your wife, um, coming from a, a cooking family, uh, she's a great cook. Uh, what, so what's the philosophy now in your household? I mean, post whole 30, what does a typical diet look like for you guys? Yeah. So, I mean, really we try to stick with whole ingredients for the most part. Um, we eat a good breakfast every day, so I'll get home from the workout and I'll make uh, breakfast for everybody, which is usually, um, scrambled eggs, uh, um, uh, sausage, um, we'll have a carb in there. And then as much as possible, I try to add veggies, into our breakfast. Um, because as much as possible, like I know I need bulk, um, to feel, you know, to feel full, you know, if I'm just eating protein, um, then I, you know, it does sustain me for a period of time, but I know, I know I need more like carrots. I'll eat carrots. Um, a lot of times with my breakfast, roasted carrots, roasted tomatoes, um, sweet potatoes. A lot of times, um, we love sweet potatoes. Um, we eat a good amount of sweet potatoes. Um, yeah, but as much as possible and, and making things at home, it just allows you to understand the ingredients that you're adding to your food too. So generally speaking, most of our food is made at home. Uh, we rarely eat out. Um, and when we do, it's really a special occasion, right? Um, it's in the, in the girls, they just, they get really excited when we eat out, <laughs> uh, cause they're, you know, they're always eating the food that we're preparing. And my wife is great too, because she'll do things like, she wants to prepare their snacks too, which we don't do as much as we used to, but um, because she wants to be able to control 
you know, all because there's so many like there's the danger. There's like so many terrible, bad snack foods, especially targeted for kids. And so as much as we can, we try to help them understand making good food choices. Um, but yeah, so um, as far as like meals go in our house, so it's like, you know, we're trying to go with um, whole ingredients as much as possible. Um, like, you know, on, on any given day, you know, it'll be a, a protein um, maybe, maybe a carb and, and just a bunch of, uh, vegetables, salads a lot. Um, yeah. Got it. And then do you find that your children, uh, enjoy eating some of those healthy options? Do you pander to some of their dietary wants? Uh, just depends on the day. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, I hear you. you know, sometimes how, you got to do what you, you want to fight with them, right? Yeah. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Um, you know, on the way home from church, you're trying to think, what are we going to feed the kids? It's like, sure. We'll keep, we keep some, you know, chicken nuggets in the freezer just, just, <laughs> just in case. So, um, so, but they're, they're adaptable. They're pretty adaptable for the most part. You know, we have, we have our, our kid, you know, that is a picky one and you kind of just learn to navigate around some of those things and, and, uh, you know, help them understand the options that they can choose from that are within the realm of, you know, what we should, what we should try to eat as, you know, people. Yeah. You know, my wife and I took the same approach. Uh, my kids are older now. I have a 16 and a 14 year old. So they're in that mind where they, they, they have a little bit more capability of picking out what they're eating on a daily basis. But uh, certainly early on, we was very, were very intentional about what we put in their diet. We, we early on learned about food dyes. We very early on learned about um, sensitivities to gluten and soy and, and dairy. And so we were, we were those weird families that brought our own cupcake to the, to the birthday party and our own pizza crust and all those weird things. But, you know, it, we found that it just served our children, you know, the way we wanted to, you know, to serve them. And we were very early. My wife was very adamant about not being a short order cook. In other words, this is what I'm making. If you want to eat it great, if not, Okay, but I'm not going to make you something else that's different. And we found that that just really helped us reiterate to our kids, you know, this is this is what we're eating. And you know, they they would on occasion get, you know, the 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 other stuff out there in, in society. Of course, they would go to somebody else's house, and but they would also recognize pretty early on that their bodies didn't do well with some of that other stuff. I mean, when, when we were mm -hmm. feeding them, what we felt like was a better diet. And then they got introduced to some of that other stuff, man, you, they, they, they knew pretty, pretty early on that, Ooh, this type of food didn't make me feel very good. Uh, I, I remember the first time we ever went camping and we went camping with a group of people. And of course, you know, every other kid was running around eating s'mores and doing all that stuff. And so, you know, as a parent, you don't want your kid to always be the, the weirdo. And so we're like, all right, you know, go help yourself. And so they, they each had, you know, a handful of marshmallows. Well, the entire night they're puking all over the tent and it's just, <laughs> it's just awful. And so very early on, they were like, I'm not eating that stuff again. And, and it was just one of those things that, uh, uh, when you listen to your body and we as adults need to do the same thing, we sometimes mm -hmm. discount how we feel as a result of the food we eat. But the truth is, our food is the fuel that we put in our body and our cells. And if we're not adding the right stuff, our body's going to operate accordingly. And uh, the earlier you teach your kids that, the better. Uh, that's that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, so we've had some experiences. That. 
Yeah, we've had similar experiences where, you know, well, I mean, we we try not to say, you know, you can't have a s'more like similarly, but inevitably there's the crash that comes after the, the s'more. Um, and usually that's, we just take that as an opportunity to say, you know, you see how you feel right now, you know, that's because there's so much sugar in the s'more and, you know, that has an effect on, on, on your body. And so as much as possible, we try to help them understand and educate rather than, you know, deprive them of the opportunity to do something fun in that scenario. So, yeah, we do that as much as possible. The other thing is, um, my wife's, so my wife's cousin lives in Tallahassee as well. Um, and her policy was always that she wanted her house to be very welcoming to other kids, um, because she knows, um, and there's a, a sense of comfort knowing that, you know, all your kids' friends can come to our house and be comfortable, comfortable and have fun. And so we really try to walk the line of providing snacks that we know that can prov- afford that as well. So it's like, yes, we want to be healthy, but we also don't want to be so rigid that our kids see, you know, elsewhere as the the place to be. You know, we want our home to be welcoming and inviting and comforting. Um, so it's this, it's this really, it's this balance. And, and we apply that to our own lives as well. Um, and, you know, and it's, we don't want to deprive ourselves of everything. Um, rather just look at the you know, uh, my so this is kind of a, an aside. My wife had ACL surgery three weeks ago, and so we've had folks bringing us meals. Um, and with every meal comes a pan of brownies, right? Um, and so it's easy to fall into the trap of eating a brownie every single night, right? Um, so, but rather than do that, you know, it's like, yeah, I'll have a brownie, but then uh, we try to like give away stuff as much as possible. <laughs> so it's yeah, like. That's funny that you mentioned that because that's exactly what happens in our culture, right? It's, it's people are well-meaning and they want to help you out. But uh, at the same time, we get bombarded with some of that other stuff. Yeah. So, you know, as much as possible, you know, I, you know, Michael Easter, you know, if you've ever read Comfort Crisis talks about like our relationship to food. And um, I, I think he kind of his philosophy around it is is really great. Um, and it's it's really just thinking about like whole ingredients, not necessarily trying to go on le- these wildly, you know, um, you know, you know, way out there diets um, like my father in law loves intermittent fasting. He'll fast for like three days. Um and, you know, it, you know, it's, that's great. But, you know, at, at the same time, you got to, we have the opportunity and ability to, to sustain ourselves with good food um, and to, and to, and to balance things out. Um, and that's just really the, the approach that we take is we just try to eat good food. Um, you know, every day we, we don't take out fats, we're not taking out carbs, um, but we do try to just balance them all uh, with good ingredients. Yeah. I think that's the, the the main focus is is the quality of the ingredients and the whole food perspective. And, you know, I'm, I mentioned this all the time and what I teach clients is, you know, essentially the 80, 20 rule, which is, which you're kind of alluding to, I think, which is, you know, 80% of the time, I'm going to be pretty on point with my intentionality as far as what I'm putting in my body. But I also recognize there's going to be moments when it's a, not going to be available or B, I just don't care and I want to eat it. And so that's that other 20%. And yeah, it gives me that flexibility to where I'm not going to beat myself up when I get in that 20% and say, Oh gosh, I messed up versus, Hey, this is what this is for. This is my 20% that I'm going to do. And then I'm going to do the other 80. Uh, and, and certainly there's times when I'm closer to 90 and a hundred one way or the other. I mean, it's just, it's just reality, 
but yeah. uh, having that mindset of it's okay not to be perfect. It's absolutely, re- you know, essential that you're intentional, but not to the point where it's so rigid and it's not fun and non-sustainable yeah. because I think that's where people get in trouble. Yeah. For the guys of F3, you know, really it's all about the goals that you set for yourself, you know, and the accountability that you have in place, you know, at any point in time, you know, I've gone through, so I do, I will drink alcohol, I'll drink beer. Uh, but at the same time, like I know I have to walk the line and understanding that the effect that it has on my ability to sleep, my ability to perform on any given day and the effect that it has on my mood. So, you know, but, but I know for me, if I, if that's something that I want to remove, I have to have that accountability in place and it has to be a hundred percent. I can't go, I can't do 80, 20 on that at all. Like it either has to be none, none at all, or, you know, <laughs> or I'm, you know, I, so it, that's, but that's a struggle that I'm aware of in my own life. And, you know, for anybody else, they have to be aware of, of their relationship to, to what they're putting in their body in the same way. So yeah. Yeah. I hear you, man. And that's what F3 is powerful as far as having those brothers in the gloom and shield locks and whetstones and blades and, and all those relationships that we can tap into as men just to help us stay accountable of what our goals are. And, 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 you know, certainly a, a spouse can also fit that role, but it's usually less impactful than another guy falling yeah. out on the carpet as far as what you said you were going to do. So uh, mm-hmm. good point, man. Well, let's do this. We, we kind of beat up the diet a little bit. Um, just quickly help us understand what you're doing physically in the gloom. It sounds like with the sprained ankle, it, it's changed some of that. Uh, you mentioned going to boot camps and, or, or, you know, beat downs. Are you posting most days? What style of workout are you, you typically going yeah. to and so forth? So um, I'm a six days a week. Um, I'll do typically I, I do boot camp every single day. Um, Mondays, Wednesdays, I do, uh, you know, three to five miles before, uh, boot camp, And then, uh, almost every day I'll wear an RPC, a 20 pound RPC during boot camp. So as much as possible, um, I try to stay with the rest of the guys. Um, you know, I know in other, in other regions, they'll have like black diamond workouts or, or, uh, you know, ranger workouts where it's like, you go to a separate workout that's harder that's only the guys who want to do hard workouts. Um, and I, I think, so Ron Swanson, he's the name team here in Tallahassee and his kind of philosophy has always been, you know, just add the agitation that you need and stay with the stick with the six. Right. Um, and so that's where the RPC has kind of come into play for me is as much as, and I, and I think, um, I think I've, I've heard dread call it in the past a restrictor plate, right. Um, it helps slow you down so you can stay with the rest of the guys while you're still getting, you know, uh, extra effort um, that, that you feel like you might need. Um, so that was before I sprained my ankle. So two weeks ago, yesterday was two weeks ago. Um, I did my, my three mile run. Um, I was 10 minutes into the workout and we were doing kind of these, these hill repeats and I had my, my RPC on and we were coming downhill and I, I just kind of, I rolled it. Um, and I thought it was broken. So I'm, you know, I'm really just thankful that it's, that I'm able to, I was able to walk away. I was able to drive home. Um, and, um, but I've been kind of recovering from that. So I took, I took time off, which I haven't done. I haven't done that in, you know, <laughs> a long, long time. Um, I, but instead of doing nothing, um, I took the opportunity to, I picked up a couple books that I haven't, you know, that I've had, and I've kind of been slowly reading. Um, I read apart from that, but so I was taking every morning to read and pray 
and, and just be super intentional about, you know, if I'm not going to be out, you know, with the guys, um, working out, I need to be working on myself in some way. Um, so I took some time to do that, but, um, as of Monday of this week, I, I've been posting separately. I'll post, I go to, uh, the beginning of the workout. So I'll, you know, whatever maybe they do for warm up, I'll do what I can, but then I just go to the side and I do it, uh, IR work as much as I can. So, and, and for now that's just been mostly cinder block work, upper body, uh, cinder block work. Um, uh, and then now, does, obviously now, like somebody stick with you. I mean, is one of the guys yeah, so, with you. Yeah. So, uh, there's been a couple of guys who he'll just kind of split off and do it with me. Um, so I'll probably do that for at least another week. Um, doc says no running or jumping for three weeks. So I've got another, about another week to go. Um, and then we'll see how it goes. So, um, but I, I, but I also ruck, um, I, I enjoy rucking, but you know, with three kids, um, and a full schedule, it's really hard to split off for the time that it takes to ruck, you know, five, six, 10, 15, 20 miles, whatever it needs to be. Um, so, uh, really that's where I've kind of leaned on running as much as possible. Um, and the RPC has been great, you know, doing boot camps with the RPC. I feel like I'm able to, you know, get some of that, um, get get some of the, the weighted training that you get from rucking, uh, enough so that I would feel comfortable getting into an event at any time. Yeah, that's interesting. You brought up uh, some good points. One is, you know, wearing the weighted vest and, and the advantage it has to allow you as maybe somebody that's a little bit more physically fit to stick around with some guys that are struggling a little bit more, but allow you to get still the same intensity of workout. I actually got a, a weighted vest about a year ago, um, used it initially, and then for whatever reason, stopped using it. And then I, I just need to get back in the, the swing of it again. Uh, coming up, uh, you know, this conversation is inspiring me to, to be a little bit more intentional about it as well. So, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to start doing that because that's exactly right. I mean, the, it's, yeah. a, it's a great way of adding some difficulty to your own workout while staying around with, you know, some of the guys that might, um, need a little bit more support from you, but yeah. So you have know, a, you got to have accountability. Um, yeah. Ron Swanson, me, he and I text almost every single day, uh, recap because we can't always post. We don't have the proximity to post together every single day. Cause he's on the other side of town. Um, but you know, he'll say, he'll send me a text and he'll say posted with the RPC, you know, three miles before, um, so on and so forth. Um, the, and the other thing that we talked about doing is, um, we're going to make a patch. Um, the patch is going to say DQ six, um, just don't quit the six. Cause it's, it gives you an opportunity and it's a reminder to say like this weight, you know, that I'm carrying right now, not only does it make me better, um, but it, it's kind of like a reminder of the burden that you have as, as this, you know, new guy, you know, this extra 20 pounds that's on me, this might've been me a year ago or two years ago. Right. Um, so it's kind of a friendly reminder to like, you know, don't, you know, just because you're getting faster doesn't mean you need to leave the guys behind. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a great illustration. And I love that concept of what you guys are trying to create and you know, who knows might be in the stuff worth trying manual here uh, in the near future, as far as that goes. I also uh, respect the idea that you continue to go. I, I think a lot of guys use uh, injuries as an excuse not to continue to post and not continue to do some of the things we all know as men is important and, and as far as doing that daily red pill because mm -hmm. it's easy to kind of get slack and say, oh, I'm going to use this opportunity to sleep. And the fact that you still get up and flex that discipline is going to pay dividends for you down the road 
just because it's so much harder as we all probably have experienced before to get back going again versus just kind of keeping that momentum flowing the way that we want it want it to flow. Yeah. So I think that's it, great it helps doing that. Yeah, it helps that, you know, my wife, she she under, she sees the benefit. She also sees the benefit of me getting up and doing workouts because she'll be like, you know, you know, the the little break that I had, she's like, you are um I you know, do, are you feeling okay to like go to a workout yet? <laughs> <laughs> well, I need you out of the house is what what yeah. she's saying. I, I budget this time without you and 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 now you're encroaching on 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 this uh Well, yeah, and, and, and I other... also I'm like I'm like grumpy, you know, like Yeah, no, I get it. Trust me. Yeah. yeah. And, and and that's what we thrive off of, right? These yeah. relationships that we get to see with these guys and the the feeling of accomplishment because that's also what happens when we start posting, it's, you know, we're getting that check mark or, or, or accomplishment, the hard thing done for the day. And it just kind of builds that momentum we all like to have moving forward. And I think it's great that you're picking up reading and some of those other things. I think it was, um, I don't know which, I can't remember what specific book he wrote, but I, I want to say that's how, let's say the Q source came about when Dread was battling an injury instead of posting to use that same time to get up and, and write and be inspired. And in other words, use that time wisely versus just a pity party and, and feeling sorry for ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. So good, good on you, man, for, for doing that. Um, as far as sleep goes, uh, do you have a strategy around that? I mean, you got a, a one-year-old, uh, do you guys get good night sleep? So what's, yeah, what's, we do now. what's the bed schedule? <laughs> it's been a long, it was a long journey. Um, she, uh, she was a, between her and the, and the dog, especially there was a period of time where it was like, you know, every couple of hours you're up. Uh, but yeah, now, now we're in kind of like a very stable place, uh, and it makes me feel good. Um, but you know, we go to bed at between nine and nine thirty. Um, you know, I get up at four twenty, between four and four twenty almost every morning. Um, and I, that gives me the opportunity to, you know, if I'm going to go and I'm going to do some extra credit, you know, I can do that or, um, on the mornings that I'm not going out now, um, you know, I can get up and make coffee, sit and read and meditate, pray, whatever I'm going to do. And, um, you know, before the kids are up, that's the big thing is I just need, need time, um, in silence and quiet to just, you know, let myself orient, orient myself in an intentional way. Um, and, uh, my wife, I wish I didn't, I didn't put it on my desk here, but I have this great book of, um, liturgy and prayers, um, and, um, I just read a book about prayer and in it, um, Eugene Peterson talks about like the balance between rote prayers and, um, you know, free, freestyle type prayers, um, and how important it is, um, you know, in F3, you know, we in F3 should really should, uh, understand this, that you either rise to the occasion or you fall to your training. And in most cases you fall to your training. Um, and that's what the opportunity that rote prayers provide is for you. It's an opportunity for you to 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 program, to train your heart, to pray in a certain way. Right. Um, and and I do think there's just tremendous value in in, in it. Um, and so I've really enjoyed, you know, the the opportunity to kind of like train my heart and train my mind around, you know, this this particular way. Yeah, I think first thing in the morning, quiet time is my favorite time of the day. And mm-hmm. one of the reasons I choose to get up um, so early, my, my alarm's usually at 4 a.m. for that purpose. You know, it gives me that window of opportunity to uh, get quiet, meditate, pray, journal. And I find that if I don't have that for whatever reason in the day, it just it throws me throws me off. And, and certainly mm-hmm. when my kids were younger, 
it was even more important, you know, to get that quietness because kids are, you know, I got teenagers now that, you know, they leave you alone anyway, but uh, when they're younger, certainly you, you spend more attention and, and they require more attention mm-hmm. um, to just kind of get them fed and, and, and put together for the morning. But uh, yeah, that's great. And, and PAX, if you're listening, if you're not implementing a, a quiet routine in the morning, even if it starts with 10 minutes, let us be the first to encourage you to try that and, and just mm-hmm. build on it because it, it can really make a difference in, in focusing your day and getting you going uh, with the right mindset. Absolutely. And if you have accountability, set up accountability for it, right? Like tell your, you know, if you've got a shield lock, talk to your shield lock about it. You know, it's something that you can take on together as a team. Yeah. Well, brother, man, we could, we could keep going and forever, but uh, I know we got a hard stop here coming up. And and so I just want to kind of wind this down a little bit. So I do have fi- two final questions for you. Uh, the first is this, uh, if you could give a guy three tips to get them jump on their own hump for wellness, what would those three tips be? Yeah. Um, so one thing I was going to suggest is I think everybody should own, this is kind of weird, but everybody should own a kitchen scale. Um, and uh, if you haven't, if you've never done it, um, uh, weigh your food. Um, if you're tracking, doing things like tracking macros, you need to be able to weigh your food, but also as an, as a way to understand things like sugar content in foods, you need to weigh out if there's like 12 grams of sugar, um, in, uh, yogurt, weigh out 12 grams and, and, and then understand, you know, what the ingredients are within those. So I think everybody should get a kitchen scale. It's $20. You can get it from Walmart. There's just no excuse. And it has tr- a tremendous amount of utility. Um, see a second thing would be, um, uh, keeping a food journal. I mean, if we're on diet thing, understanding, um, how your food affects your mood, um, because you could be having a great day and you don't know why, um, maybe, maybe, maybe it's because of the food that you ate the previous day. Um, so understanding, you know, your food and how the food affects your mood is, is really important. Um, and then the third is, you know, um, taking time to pray. Um, prayer affects everything. It's, it's the foundation for, um, for our, our, you know, our existence with our creator, whoever that may be. Um, prayer is, is universal. You know, you don't have to be a Christian to pray, you know, um, uh, and it's one of those things that exists across the board. So, um, I would encourage everybody to take that time and quiet meditation in the mornings, um, for sure. But if you're really starting trying to ramp things up, um, pick up a book, man. Um, there's a book that I have, it's called good and cheap. And, uh, it talks about how, um, you can eat healthy living on welfare. Um, and, uh, the author, she takes the basic ingredients from the, you would get on food stamps and she lays out, um, she lays out recipes that, uh, that you can make, you know, on $5 or whatever. So don't feel bound by, cause I know, you know, across F3, you know, you have your, you know, folks who are raking it in and then guys who are just, you know, getting started, whatever. Um, don't feel like you need just, you know, oodles of cash in order to eat healthy. Um, there's, there's plenty of opportunities to, to get started where you're at. So the important thing is just getting started, right? Just, yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and I, you know, the tip about the food scale, uh, is interesting. We have one, um, my wife has done different things in the past and primarily we have it because she has it, but I've used it. I mean, it, it, it absolutely keeps you accountable for what you're putting in. 
your body or at least educate you. You know, for instance, and most recently, you know, I'm trying to acquire so many grams of protein in a day. Well, part of that, I got to know how much meat I'm eating. And, and the only way I'm really going to know it is if I measure it and weigh it. And, and I don't do that with every meal and, I, and, and so forth. But it certainly is eye-opening and it's used as that training tool to really dial in that nutrition part. So yeah. that's interesting you mentioned it because it's, I think you're the first person to ever mention that tool, but it's important. And, and it certainly could be a, a game changer for somebody who's yeah. not quite understanding specifically how much each and everything is. Yeah. We didn't even go down the coffee road. I, <laughs> I could do a whole episode just about coffee. Um, I'm a, I'm a coffee snob. Um, okay. and I, I first got a, a, a scale, you know, for my coffee, but then we got it. We've got a separate one for just for the kitchen. Cause mine is. Oh, wow. Better. Yeah. yeah. I have to learn more about that. Co- coffee is one of those subjects that gets people all anxious because, uh, you either love it or you hate it. You understand the mold and the toxins and you, or you don't, or, you know, the quality and, and, uh, certainly it's a, it's, it's a good, it's a good topic to, to discuss one time. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll do a coffee show and, uh, there you go. I'll, I'll have you back and we'll cool. get into the, the nerdiness of all the different styles and, and the benefits of each one. Yeah. Well, brother, I do have one final question for you, but before mm-hmm. I ask it, I just want to again, take a few moments and just say, thank you. I appreciate you for taking yeah, thanks the time for having today me. and jumping on the nation. Thanks you for your service. Uh, and in your role as the sector queue and all the Nantans that you're supporting. So thank you for that. If a man wanted to reach out to you, maybe something you said resonated with them, or if they're just in your sector and they want to reach out to you as far as getting uh, connected, what's some best ways for them to do that? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm on the nation Slack, Angus. I think I'm the only one on there is Angus. Um, I, I'm on Twitter, F3 Angus. And then I also, uh, my email address is f3angus at gmail.com. Simple as that. Real easy. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And then, so my final question, Angus, is this, what is your definition of wellness? My definition of wellness? Um, you know, uh, <laughs> that's a tough one. Um, so my definition of wellness is really just understanding, having a good relationship with what we you know put into our bodies. Um, it, it's not necessarily about um, being a, a skinny person. Um, but it's more so about having a, a, a good understanding of, of what you're consuming, um, and how it makes you and having an understanding of how it makes you feel. Um, I think that, um, physical exercise is a huge part of that, um, uh, because, you know, food is fuel. And if you just continue to put food in and you don't burn the fuel, then, you know, obviously you're going to get fat. Um, so, I think that that's kind of a, a roundabout, you know, definition of, of wellness. Thanks for listening to the Hunt for Wellness podcast. Please rate and review our show and be sure to share it with your F3 brothers. As always, we are looking for inspiring stories to share and health experts to interview. So if that's you, please reach out to me at bones at huntforwellness.com on the nation's Slack at Bones, or Twitter at HFW Podcast. And until next time, this has been Bones guiding the packs of F3 Nation on their hunt for wellness.